Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. The Apostle Paul gives the clearest explanation for the meaning of Christmas found anywhere in literature. And today we're going to look at that one sentence that explains what Christmas is really all about. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Galatians in the New Testament, Galatians chapter four. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. What sort of traditions do you enjoy at Christmas? Maybe you make a treasured family recipe or gather for a special Christmas Eve celebration. Well, today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress helps us set aside all the glitter and lights to reflect on why we celebrate Christmas in the first place. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. For nearly a year, we've been working behind the scenes to generate a brand new resource for you and your family. It's ready just in time for Christmas, and I'm super pleased to offer you a copy today. I'm referring, of course, to the leather-bound Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional for 2023. You won't find this 532-page volume anywhere other than right here at Pathway to Victory. It's bound in slate blue leather, and it's beautiful. I'll be happy to expedite a copy to your home today when you give a generous year-end gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Now, there's even more good news, because right now we're in the middle of the Light in the Darkness Matching Challenge. This means that every gift we receive from you will be automatically matched and doubled because of this marvelous arrangement. That means your generous gift of, say, $100 is matched and multiplied to $200. A gift of $500 becomes $1,000. A gift of $5,000 would be matched and therefore doubled to become $10,000. You see how this goal works. Our goal is $525,000. Now, later in the program, David will explain that when your gift is extra generous, we're going to provide the entire December teaching series, Celebrate the Savior, on DVD and CD. Plus, you'll receive a -a one-of-a-kind Christmas music CD containing some of my favorite performances by the incomparable First Baptist Dallas Choir and Orchestra, like the one you're about to hear. Let's lean back and enjoy this Christmas favorite, a toe-tapping rendition of Go Tell It on the Mountain. Go tell it on the mountain. Yeah, do it for it. Over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere Go tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ is born While shepherds kept their watching Over silent fox by night Behold throughout the heavens There shone a holy light Shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth Bring out the angel chorus that held our Savior's birth I'm gonna go tell it on the mountain Over the hills and everywhere 
it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. My thanks to the talented and devoted First Baptist Dallas Choir and Orchestra for today's performance and our soloist, musician Gordon Moat. Well, it's time to get started with today's message. From the December teaching series I'm calling Celebrate the Savior, today's message is titled Simply Christmas. If you've ever taken a journalism class before, You're taught that in the opening paragraph of a story, you're supposed to answer six key questions. Who, what, when, how, where, and why. Paul answers all six of those questions in this one single sentence about the coming of Christ in the world. Notice how he answers them. First of all, the question of who. Who is the subject of this sentence? Who is the subject of Christmas? If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 5. Look at it with me. But when the fullness of time came, God. God is the subject of Christmas. 
God is the one who initiated all of the events that led to the coming of Christ. Now, secondly, what? What is it that God did? Well, it says, he sent forth his son. And when did it occur? When did it happen? It happened in the fullness of time. I want you to think about that phrase, in the fullness of time. Did you know the plan of salvation was not some afterthought God had? God didn't look down at humanity and said, oh my, look at the way those human beings have screwed things up. I better do something quickly. I better have a rescue plan. It didn't happen that way. Ephesians 1 tells us that the plan of salvation was established before the foundation of the world. In the fullness of time, at just the right time, God sent forth his son. How? How did he do it? Well, it tells us here again, he was born of a woman. What's the big deal? Everybody's born of a woman, aren't they? How many of you were born of a woman? Now, this is why this is unique. First of all, this is a reference to Jesus' virgin birth. Let me show you what I mean. Jesus was born of a woman, but he was unique in that he was born only of a woman. His father was God himself. I think this phrase, born of a woman, first of all, relates to Jesus' virgin birth. But secondly, it is a reference to the humanity of Jesus. Jesus didn't come into the world as some other world alien. No, he came as a human being. Jesus was 100% God, but he was 100% man as well. And because of that, not only was he qualified to be our sin substitute, but he also is able to understand you and understand me. I think about that six-year-old boy who was in the backyard shooting baskets. He kept trying to put the ball through the hoop and he kept falling short. His father came out, saw what was happening and said, son, let me show you how to do this. Took the ball and whoosh, right through the hoop. Did it a second time, whoosh, through the hoop. A third time, whoosh. Finally, the boy was so frustrated, he looked up at his father and said, Dad, it's easy for you up there, but you don't know how hard it is for those of us down here. You know, the same thing can never be said about God. We can never say, God, it's easy for you up there, but you have no idea how hard it is for us down here. He knows how hard it is because he came in human flesh in the person of Jesus and there is nothing you experience, no heartache, no temptation, no disappointment that Jesus hasn't already experienced. He knows what it's like to be deserted by family and friends. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by the person closest to you. He knows what many of you have faced even this past year of standing at the grave of somebody you love dearly. He knows all of that. He's been there. He understands the minor irritations of everyday life. Having a sore throat. Crawling out of bed early in the morning when you don't feel like it to go to work. He's been there before. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, talking about Jesus, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but one who has been tempted in all things as we are and yet without sin. 
Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. No matter what you're going through, you can talk to Jesus about it knowing he understands. Isn't that a great truth? He was born of a woman. Where? Where did this happen? Look again at verse four. He was born under the law. Born of a woman, but born under the law. What does that mean? It means that, as Jesus said, he didn't come to abolish the Old Testament law, but to fulfill it. You see, the Bible says, cursed is every man who does not obey all things written in the law. Uh, You may obey more things than I obey in the law, but it really doesn't matter. If we break one of the laws, we're guilty of breaking all of the laws. That's why we need a savior. Jesus came and he met all of God's requirements. If Jesus had broken any of the laws when he died, he would have been dying for his own sins. But the fact that he obeyed God completely, fulfilled the requirements of the law, again, makes him the only adequate substitute for our sin. He was born under the law. And then finally, why? This is the most important. Why did God go to all of this trouble and make this elaborate plan to send Jesus into the world? Well, he answers the why question this way. First of all, he said, in order to redeem us. To redeem us. That word redeem is a beautiful word in the Greek language. It's the word ex agorazo. Ex is a prefix that means out of. Agorazo comes from the word agora, which refers to the marketplace in both the Greek and the Roman cultures. In Paul's day, if you wanted to buy a slave, you would go to the agora, the marketplace. There the slaves would be placed in shackles upon a block and sold to the highest bidder. Once you paid the required price, that slave was yours to do whatever you wanted to with the slave. You could torture the slave. You could slit the slave's throat. You could work the slave to death. He belonged to you because you had paid the necessary price. Now, that's the word picture of redeem. Ex agorazo means to pay the price, to take the slave out of the marketplace. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I are born into this world shackled to Satan himself. We are slaves of Satan. We are born alienated from God. Satan absolutely hates us and has nothing good planned for us in this life and nothing good in the next life. We are born of slaves of sin and Satan. But the Bible says that God, for no other reason than the great love with which he loved you, he sent his son Jesus to pay the necessary price to redeem us, to free us, to break Satan's death hold on us. And why did he do that? What was his motivation for doing that? He was motivated by love, but what was his purpose? I couldn't believe it this week. I heard perhaps the finest Bible teacher in America talking about why did God redeem us? said, he paid the price. He redeemed us to set us free, this pastor said. To set us free? No, no, a thousand times no. If you paid a price in Paul's day to redeem a slave, you didn't set the slave free. 
that slave became your slave, your servant. Ladies and gentlemen, when we trust in the payment Christ made for us, it doesn't mean that we no longer have a master. It doesn't mean we have no master. Redemption means we have a new master. Our new master is God himself who loves us and has nothing but our good in mind, but we do belong to him. That's why 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, do you not know you are not your own? You've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Why did he do this? First of all, to redeem us, to free us. But there's a second reason he gives in Galatians 4, 5, and that is that we might receive the adoption as sons. He did this in order to adopt us into his family. Now, stay with me for just a second. This may seem contradictory. It's true, we become servants of God. We have an obligation to him. But once we become a part of God's family, we are no longer slaves who have no rights. We don't even enter his family as children with limited rights. God places us into his family as sons and daughters with full rights as an adult child of God. Now it's against that background that Paul says, when we enter into God's family, we do so adopted as sons, meaning we have the same rights and privilege as God's beloved son, Jesus Christ, the co-region of the universe. You know what that means specifically? When you become a part of God's family, first of all, you have the same position with God that Jesus has. The same position. That is, in God's eyes, you're sinless. He views you just as he does his son, Jesus Christ, because you are in Jesus. He sees you as sinless, no matter what your flaws are. Secondly, you have the same privileges of Jesus, the son, that means you can ask God for anything. Is Jesus bashful about asking God for something? Oh, I better not ask that. That's too big for God. He asks him for anything, and you and I can as well. Now, that doesn't mean God answers our every prayer request with a positive reply. Did you know God didn't even answer every one of Jesus' prayers? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, God, let this experience of the cross pass from me. God said, no. Jesus acquiesced and said, okay, not my will, but your will be done. But we can't ask him for anything. 1 John 5, 14 says, and this is the confidence we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We have the same position. We have the same privilege. Thirdly, we have the same power that operated in Jesus' life. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in your life, if you're a Christian, giving you power over temptation, over stress, over worry, and ultimately, power over the grave. We are adopted as sons into the family of God. That's why he sent Jesus. How many of you remember the late radio commentator, Paul Harvey? Every Christmas, Paul Harvey would tell the same story that illustrates what the coming of Christ into the world is really all about. He told the story of a farmer who had become jaded in his faith. Skeptical, the char farmer chose to isolate himself from others. 
and to live out his days without the hassles connected with being involved with people. One raw winter night, the farmer heard an irregular thumping sound against the kitchen storm door. He went out to watch and saw these tiny shivering sparrows attracted to the evident warmth inside, beating in vain against the glass. Touched, the hardened farmer bundled up and trudged through the fresh snow to open the barn for the struggling birds. He turned on the lights, tossed some hay in the corner, sprinkled a trail of salting crackers to direct them to him. But the sparrows, which had scattered in all directions when he emerged from the house, still hid in the darkness, afraid of the farmer. The farmer tried various tactics, circling behind the birds to drive them toward the barn, tossing cracker crumbs in the air toward them, retreating to his house to see if they'd flutter into the barn on their own. Nothing worked. He, a huge alien creature, had terrified them. The birds could not understand that he actually desired to help them. The farmer withdrew to his house and watched the doomed sparrows through a window. As he stared, a thought hit him like a lightning bolt from the clear blue sky. If only I could become a bird, one of them for just a moment, then I wouldn't frighten them so. I could show them the way to warmth and safety. At the same moment, another thought dawned on him. He had grasped the whole meaning of the incarnation. A man becoming a bird is incomprehensible, but it pales in comparison to God becoming a man. Why did he do it? But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who were under the law and that we might receive the adoption as sons. God be praised for what he has done for us through Jesus. Galatians 4 tells the story we proclaim every day at Pathway to Victory. Jesus' birth not only fulfilled God's promise for a coming Messiah, but he opened the door so that all who follow him would be adopted as children of God. Now, that's a promise worth celebrating at Christmas. And today I'm inviting you to join us in this all-out effort to share this good news far and wide. With our country facing so many pressing concerns, I thank God for friends like you who share my passion for bringing light to the dark places of our world. And as we're on the precipice of a brand new year, now is the time to respond with your special end of the year gift. Would you stand with me to bring hope and truth to America and the world by giving a generous gift today? Remember that right now, because of the Light in the Darkness Matching Challenge, every dollar you give is automatically matched and therefore doubled in size. Plus, when you give today, we'll say thanks by providing the exclusive 2023 Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional. Copies are moving very fast, but we still have one waiting just for you. 
Let me describe how our year together will unfold in this devotional. From January to February, you'll begin a spiritual fitness program using wisdom from the book of Hebrews. From March through May, you'll learn how to walk with God by faith in your everyday life by studying the life of Abraham. In the summer, you'll gain a biblical understanding of grace and discover the joy and freedom of living obediently. And in the fall and winter, you'll meditate on the parables of Jesus. It's going to be a great journey together. David will give our contact information now, so please respond today so that I can send your 2023 Pathway to Victory daily devotional in plenty of time for the new year. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous year-end gift toward our Light in the Darkness Matching Challenge, we'll say thanks by sending you the brand new Pathway to Victory daily devotional for 2023. To request your copy, call 866-999-2965 or go online to ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $100 or more, we'll also include the complete CD and DVD sets for Celebrate the Savior, a brand new series from Pathway to Victory featuring favorite messages from Dr. Jeffress about the events surrounding the birth of Jesus and the light that he brought into our very dark world. The CD also includes beautiful Christmas music performances from the First Baptist Dallas Choir and Orchestra. Remember, because of our Light in the Darkness matching challenge, your gift will effectively be doubled in impact by another generous donor. So request your copy of these resources today. Call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. If you'd prefer to write, let me give you that address. P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Join us again Thursday for another special Christmas message called The Cradle, The Cross, and The Crown. That's right here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.